All right, good evening, everybody. I'd like to call to order the meeting of the Mansfield Parks Facility Development Corporation at uh, 6 o'clock p.m. Our first order of business will recess into executive session. Pursuant to Section 551.071, Texas Government Code, the board reserves the right to convene an executive session from time to time as deemed necessary during this meeting for any posted agenda item to receive advice from the attorney as permitted by law. And we will recess into executive session at 6 p.m.
it was the, the minutes. All right, we're going to reconvene into regular session now at uh, 6, 29 p.m. Uh, there is no action necessary from our executive session. We'll move to citizens' comments. Citizens wishing to address the board on non-public hearing agenda items and items not on the agenda may do so at this time. Once the business portion of the meeting begins, only comments related to public hearings will be heard. All comments are limited to five minutes. In order to be recognized during the citizen comment or during a public hearing, applicants included, please complete a blue or yellow appearance card located at the entry to the city council chamber and presented to the Parks and Recreation Administrative Assistant. Sarah, do we have any cards? No. We'll move on to item six, cash flow statements. Okay, in your packet was the sales tax report for January, which was reflects on the November sales tax, so again, Another good month, up 7.23%. Hopefully that holds true next month, which is the big big month of the year, December sales tax, so we're doing well. Estimated 13% uh, above last year. Don't have an actually cash flow yet. We are still trying to get up to speed with our new financial system, so we don't have the ability to run reports, and we kind of have to mesh with our old system and our new system, so hopefully by next month, we're still working on that, uh, that we'll have a system and have a cash flow, but. Again, revenue is up. We've had some vacancies. So I know our expenditures are under budget to date. Our revenue is obviously above budget. So we're doing well, but uh, I'll just give you some confidence there. So. 
Any questions about that? No questions about the budget or about the cash flow? All right, we'll move to item seven, approval of the minutes. You might remember we did not meet <coughs> in uh, uh, December, so we have a couple of uh, items here to go through. We'll, let's, we'll uh, go through the October uh, meeting minutes first. Any questions about uh, what's posted here? Any motions on the minutes? I'll move to approve the October minutes as written. Second. Second from Linda. Any questions or comments? Hearing none, we'll, uh, we'll vote on these minutes. Uh, those approved by aye. Aye. Any opposed by nay? Thank you. The ayes have it. And then we'll move to the November minutes. Same thing. Uh, they're in your packet. Give you a chance to respond here. Any changes or corrections that need to be made? Can I have a motion for these minutes? Thank you, Bob. Second for these? Second. Thank you. Is that Wendy? Yes. Thank you. Any questions, comments? Hearing none, we'll vote on these as well. Uh, those approved by aye. 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 And those opposed by nay? Thank you. Moving to uh, departmental updates. Uh, you have the updates for our department in our packet here. about the first three, the Park Operations Division, Recreation Division, or Marketing Communication. We'll field them now. We've got lots of slides to kind of go through on the last two on park planning and, and the director's report, but if you have any questions about the others, we'd be happy to bring up staff and answer them. Okay. All right, so we're gonna dig in, um, try to keep it as brief as possible, but there's a lot of information here, and I think helpful information for you. We haven't met in a couple of months and some key projects, some that you're aware of, some that you're not. And a few things happened this week, and so we needed to add a little bit to that. So we'll start off with the park planning, the projects that are in your packet, but just kind of give you some visuals and some, some up-to-date. So from McClendon Park West, just to orient you, again, add on West Broad. Two projects in one, the front part being the splash pad, the back part of the park, expanded parking and basketball court. Right now, we are targeting end of February, so as long as we don't have a you know a two week ice storm, something like that that gets in the way, that that is the target right now. The contractor, the two contractors are working towards that, and James is has been out there several times, and he's got a couple of new staff members to help him too to finish these out. So that'll be a good thing. Uh, just to kind of let you know, this is the aerial from the back of the park looking towards the front. So you can see we replaced the softball field with two basketball courts, and then expanded the parking. Shot on the right there is the way the basketball courts look right now. We don't have the benches in place yet underneath the, those little shade structures, and we don't have the basketball rims up yet. We'll wait until the last minute because once we do that, it's kind of like with the playgrounds. They're out there playing, them, playing on them. Uh, we're still waiting on the meter from Encore to energize the lights, and then working on a new water line to service that so the irrigation and the sod that'll go around the, or the turf, they'll go around the basketball court. So to finish up the back part, that's all that that contractor has left to go. And on the front part, very, very active. All the parking has been poured that kind of wraps around this. This new splash pad, the equipment is going in every single day, a little bit by little bit. 
and then you can see the new restrooms and pump facility. The back portion where the filtration system for the splash pad is kind of fenced in with the, the wooded area so that all the equipment is going in. They hope to actually be able to turn on both splash pads here in Agurdy Bark in the next couple of weeks to, to test it and get going. So we'll see how that goes. And then the restrooms will be in the uh, kind of stoned area around the, the rest of that wrap. You can kind of see the, the railing that is set up there on that, on that wall that will kind of separate uh, between the parking lot and the splash pad area. So it's progressing nicely. And then at Gertie Barrett, so on our northwest side of the city, here's the master plan just to let you kind of orient you again. We're coming off of Gertie Barrett. Uh, we got the agreement with Garrett Lane on the private drive, so we'll be able to have that second ingress-egress point on the back side of the park with a gate uh, to, to separate the private residences there on the back side. Again, estimated completion end of February. Some of the shots of play equipment has been in for a little while, and now all the, I think all the port in place has been completed. You can see that on the right, the, the colored bands um, that have been in place and the kids have been out on there even though it's a construction zone. So it is very, very difficult. I think the equipment is safe, but the site is not. So they don't need to be out there. Uh, but I know all, several staff members have been kind of chasing people away from, from all of our park sites. But you can kind of see on, the, on that left-hand picture, a lot of stonework. Uh, so it's gonna be a very, very attract, attractive park and then uh, from a different angle, you can see a couple of the, the kind of the shaded areas that, and the splash pads. So the equipment's going in there. This restroom is a little bit ahead of the Gertie site. So you can see this is what the stonework, this is what uh, McClendon will look like as well uh, as it is finished, uh, finished up out there. So again, both moving along nicely and uh, look forward to completion. We'll talk about some dedications here uh, coming up uh, early, early spring. Gertie Barrett will be park number 22 for us, and uh, we'll share a little bit of news on some other parks coming up soon. Walnut Creek Linear Park, this is just to remind you, you know, we're working on the design for phase 3B. This connects where we currently terminate at Cannon and uh, Shops Abroad and uh, over towards Oliver Nature Park. So the, the consultants, sorry, the text box got thrown off the side here. Um, uh, the consultant is working on the design, hopefully complete by the end of April and be able to bid it this summer and hopefully start construction this fall. So it involves largely off-street widened trail to connect this and then it'll loop in right by our building underneath and then tie back into the existing trail. Catherine Rose Memorial Park, this is the, the final draft of the master plan that we worked on, had several public meetings, you're aware of this, and had, had great turnout feedback. So overall, the re complete redevelopment plan includes Catherine Rose Memorial Park, as well as the 12 acres that the city purchased at the end of Smith Street and repurposing Hardy Almond across the street from Rose Park. So it involves multiple components. Right now we have funding for the playground component, but we wanted to take a look at what would we redo long-term for all of these and to kind of zoom in on, on the, the main purpose in and around the playground. So uh, what that 1.5 million that we have allocated right now, the goal of that was to, to get a new playground. And so as you look, the playground is this, this area right here, uh, but the, these other areas would include a pavilion, restroom, and even a potential splash pad in the future. They've even added some, some basketball courts, the kind of the play courts that we, we talked about in some of the public meetings here. And as you can see, one of the biggest things is to kind of reorient the road that currently runs in this way with parking right here and changes it so we have a kind of a turn and then we wrap the parking in probably a couple of phases 
more parking that currently exists, and so we probably do it in phases, but we think that we can initiate this without disrupting the existing playground and parking during construction and, and do, it, do it in phases. Uh, if possible, we're going to try to time that with the bridge replacement, at least some of this with the bridge replacement on Walnut Creek Drive that I'll talk about here in a minute, just so that it doesn't stay a construction zone for, for two years, this whole area, because there's going to be a lot of orange barrels out on, on Walnut Creek Drive as, as the trail is closed. So, And then the, the future phases uh, across the street, again, trying to move the basketball and sand volleyball that currently exist in Rose Park across the street and then add, expand the number of courts. Uh, including, uh, so taking one basketball court into two, uh, two sand volleyball, trying to add some pickleball and tennis courts that we, we just don't, we don't have any pickleball and we only have three tennis courts in the entire city. So uh, that would be part of the, the, the second phase that we would, we would work through your priorities over the next few years to help fund. So questions about that concept? We're, we're getting ready to move into construction documents based off of this and cost estimates to have kind of help us with the phasing for that. Uh, so any questions about this, this concept? Just a question on the path. It doesn't look like it, but is any of the path changing? Uh, any, I'm sorry, Rob, I can't hear. The trail or pathway that goes. The, more, the linear park or the trail within the, like the core within of the Within Rose park? park, the loop. So most of it will not change, but as, as we get into this area where the playground currently exists, some of that is going to get rerouted and changed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it won't stay, you know, right now we have the, the trail runs right through the middle of the main pavilion. That would change. We're not going to have the pavilion interrupt <coughs> family reunions anymore. So. Was but the, park, the parking at all, Hardy Allman, is that going to be redone or we're just going with the existing it would probably be redone, it, not, in, not in phase one, but when, when we would add the courts and potential restrooms and things on that side, then yeah. Uh, the parking lots of Hardy Almond don't meet current standards. I mean, they're just asphalt lots. There's no islands. Uh, so um, that, would, that would have to meet current, current city standards, design standards, so. Hey Matt, on number seven there, the um, <clears throat> green area, is that, strictly for soccer or is it multi-purpose or no really the plan um when we go back to the full plan what we'd like to do is take the the soccer areas the practice areas right now that exist on both sides of magnolia there at hardy almond and move those to the smith street property it's floodway as well we can't do any can't build structures or anything down there and it's flat and open space and so we'd like to to move that down there and give them dedicated space as well as you can see cricket in there and design it to where we could put a cricket pitch in the middle so it could be multi-purpose. Uh, and then repurpose the hardy almond for the courts as well as that north side, that number seven area, seven and 11, we really would like to capitalize on fitness components. We have a ton of fitness groups and boot camps and mom and stroller fitness and all those kind of activities that all mesh in and around the playground. It gets really, really busy over there with all kinds of traffic. So we'd like to use that northern side of that and kind of dedicate it to fitness, whether it's a fitness plaza and add a pavilion, because that's the other thing is we don't have shade. And so and you've probably seen the fitness groups at Town Park. They go underneath the pavilion uh, out there, and there's tables in the way. And so tr try to take that in mind and consider that. We also have the same kind of groups at Chandler Park. So we're kind of dedicating that space to fitness-related activity. So more of, more of adult, even though everybody could use it, um, but not real defined at this point, but just a lot of ideas around that, around that uh, topic. Thanks. 
for the late. I'm sorry. Um, so I know that it says propose basketball courts. During that first phase, are you losing basketball courts until the second phase, or will there be something in there? Because that's a really busy thing. People, it's really Yeah, that, that's the one there. thing we have to work out. Mo the, the footprint that we would need for the playground and parking to happen kind of right here uh, is where the basketball court's at. So we, we, we have to try to figure out if there's a way to add some on the other side preliminarily or live without it. Uh, we know that will be an impact if we have to, but um, that's the biggest pinch point we have. The rest of it, is, it we think is doable in phases, but the basketball court is smack in the middle of this, yeah, to make it, to make it happen. Sorry, I have one more question on the Gertie Barrett one. Will there also be basketball courts there so we can kind of, you know? So the master plan has a half court basketball. The residents, um, I think all 35 of them and maybe even their, their ancestors screamed, <laughs> no way. Uh, we didn't have money to do it all anyway, so that was an easy one for us to say, okay, that will be a future discussion. <coughs> it was a loud and clear message. They did not want basketball. So it is not gonna be in phase one. Yeah. Would it be possible in phase one at Chapman Road to maybe put some signage directing people to uh, McClendon West? Where they sure. Will be active yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right now, Rose Park has six hoops. How many does McClendon West have? When McClendon has two full-size courts. Uh, so total, how many hoops do we have out there, James? Do you remember? How many actual hoops at McClendon West? Six. Six. You know, the thing about Rose's six is they're all in one little tiny court. This is two full-size courts with that can be run as, as four half court, not you know, Rose's, they're all just kind of jammed, you know, jammed in there. So there's six hoops, but I mean, even if you're just playing horse, two different families next to each other, you're kind of getting in each other's way. McLennan is, a, I mean, they're full-size, you know. And the same question applies to the sand volleyball, where you have to direct people to other parts. With, if, if phase one happens the way I think, where we get the playground here and we get the drive and parking, I think this is about the extent. I don't think we're going to be able, I don't think we're going to be able to afford this parking until a future phase. That's where the sand volleyball is at, so it's probably okay for a while. Um, but the basketball is, we have to deal with that. We have to address that some way. Yeah. Matt, can you remind me what the uh, bank shot sport play space play is yeah so they're they're kind of it's a basketball or you know we, we heard a lot from the first public meeting about not wanting to lose basketball even though we hear a lot about the sand volleyball and basketball at rose and it being largely teen and young adults and it doesn't mix well with the little kids and so we were proposed that's one of the reasons why we were proposing to move basketball across the street but in the first public meeting and even through the survey we heard a lot of people say well i i, I like my kids to shoot hoops too when we go to the park uh, and so bank shot is, you see them a lot on schoolyards, but it's a, it's a structure that has multiple holes in it. And so your multiple people can kind of shoot and then your ball goes into the big basket and then comes out different, different routes. And so it's a basketball activity where, where multiple people can play, but it's not a basketball court, you know. And, and it, it, from the second public meeting, Jessica was at that one, it seemed like everybody really liked that idea of incorporating that. I don't know that I like the idea of it being so separated on the way it's shown on this concept, so we'll talk about that as we get into design. But incorporating that bank shot activity seems like it's a way to 
uh, give that activity to the younger kids who aren't wanting to run a full court basketball game, you know, on a, on a, on a regular court. So. Well, we have 1.5 million after design. We've got about 1.35, so that's all we have for the playground and, and roadway. Um, everything you see on here is probably around 5 million, so, uh, you know, phases, grants, uh, other, other for funding sources. Yeah, we'll be looking that way. We've had several conversations with city manager's office about opportunities, so we'll continue to do that. I think once we start reinvesting, it, it that always helps the momentum get going too. It's like, when can we get the next piece? When we can get the next piece, so. So Matt, number 15 is the proposed tennis courts for some future phase down the, the line. I can't help but notice that it's one more than Chandler, but still not five. Right. Is that a, by design on purpose to not do five? Um, it's a space component here, but I would not recommend the reason that Mata wants five or more is for tournaments. This is not the appropriate venue for tournaments. So I would not propose doing five. And even if we did, I would not propose that Mata or anybody else run tournaments here because there's not enough infrastructure and parking to handle that. Uh, I still think that needs to happen at a, as a sports complex or a bigger facility uh, for that. So could, yeah. could that even be trimmed down to two or three instead of Yeah, absolutely. Five? Yeah. And the thing about the pickleball is, you know, you really can fit – about four pickleball on one set, one tennis court. It's a little bit bigger depending on the lines. And so 14 and 15 between pickleball and tennis spatially could change. You could end up with one more here, two more there, just depending on what, what the need is by the time we actually get to that point. We do think that we can convert the Smith Street 12 acres into soccer relatively quickly so that we could then start redeveloping Hardy Almond, you know, as long as funding's available and start adding some courts, even if it is in phases. Um, to try to catch up as quickly as we can with the redeve redevelopment with the playground area. So, Would we anticipate more uh, wrestling facilities? The fact that we're expanding this, I see two, is that, am I right? Uh, yeah, so we've got, you know, potentially one over here in the core of this area and then one here in the core with the courts on the other side. You know, depending on what we do with the fitness on the north side, you, you might need one there. But I, I think unless you have a lot of programming, um, you know, again, restrooms are not cheap. So I, I think those two would be substantial structures that would support the activities that they're talking about. This wouldn't be your traditional thing at Rose Park where there's just two toilets. I think what you would see around the playground area would be an expanded larger restroom structure to, to handle all of that activity. Same thing for the one by the courts. I mean, it's um, it's practice. It would be probably practice area. It's floodway, so there's no way for us to put a structure. Uh, the only way we'd be able to address that would be through portable toilets. Now, the other thing, one of the key things from from that is, uh, you see, we added on this master plan this connection that ties into town park. Okay. So, I, actually, restrooms in town park are you know right here. They're a lot closer to the core of, of Rose Park. So, if someone really wanted a a, a permanent restroom building. That would be their their quickest route, and it, it extends the it unites the park. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't on the original concept when we went through the the public meetings, and we heard several people point that up, so point that out, and, and request that. So that that was added again. It's a bridge over Walnut Creek's not cheap, but it makes sense, and it you know, for all the reasons everyone just said. 
Um, I also have a question that we did um, a lot of the feasibility studies and we talked about having things for some of the older, the teens, that kind of thing. I, I'm a little bit worried if we're trying to taking out and not putting enough courts in, is there still, are we still focusing or is there still enough focus on giving things for like the teenagers to do to kind of still have fun, safe play for them, you know, for us parents to be like, yeah, go, go play basketball. I just want to make sure that we um, are also considering that as well since we're having a lot of parks, but they all look a little bit more like, you know, the smaller age children. Yeah, it's a great point. We actually have had two meetings in the last week, and I know Amanda and staff were in another two-hour meeting today, so they probably talked about it even more. I wasn't in there about teens, because a lot of times people, they think that basketball is all teens, and they're, and they're not, and that that's what you get, just give them a basketball court, but not all teenagers want a basketball court. It's a lot more than just that. Now, sand volleyball, tremendously popular with teens, too, so there's a lot of boxes that get checked there, but it needs to be a bigger discussion than just basketball and sand volleyball courts for teens, um, so that, that, is a, that is something we continue to focus on. Uh, in our meeting last week, we were working on our CAPRA standards and, and how we're evaluating programs, and we, we brought up again, you know, if you're, those of you that were involved with the master plan, we, on our survey, and we did the facilities, and then we did programs and services, the second highest need on programs was teen services. The second lowest satisfied was teen services. So when we did our matrix and you add them together, I mean, that's a no-brainer. So everybody's saying it's important, and everybody's saying we're not doing a good job. You know, so we've implemented some new programs since that time at the MAC, and even with uh, some some activities in historic downtown and partnering with our our, our tourism group, and did did a few a few activities down there. But there's a lot more work that needs to happen there. Um, the city, and we have a an, an intern program now in the city manager's office, and now a part-time staff member, and so they've been working on a proposed teen council, and so. Obviously, that's going to impact parks and recreation, library departments heavily. We, we, we already have the bulk of the team program, so we'll be involved in that. But they're, they're getting towards the end of fleshing out that program and what that, would, what that would encompass and what kind of support that would be. And so that would bring in a team council that would meet regularly to help us determine what do teams want. Is it programs? Is it facilities? And so uh, we're going to be heavily involved in that. And so I hope that that will help guide us in, in delivering better services for our citizens. Piggyback on that, is, is there any uh, Wi-Fi connectivity um, improvements as part of this? Is it not good at Rose right now? Uh, my, in my experience, it's been below average. Okay. So maybe not. Well, in the grand scheme of things, that's an easy one to take. That's relatively okay. cheap, so uh, <laughs> we should be able to tackle that. And I think I, in seeing the layout of this, if you're drawing teams, they're going to be on their phones. Oh, yeah, sure. All right, um, I got a lot more to go, so, but that was, this was one y'all talked about, wanted an update, so that was a good discussion. Uh, Skinner Sports Complex, so again, about a year-long project, all these different components, just to let you know, we have executed the two contracts to paint all the fences out here, and as well as replace the fences on these main four fields, move them in, create wider spectator areas, kind of bump in these foul lines. So those two contractors have been executed Hopefully, barring weather, they'll both be done by the end of February. We have decided to move away from a prefabricated build, restroom building. Uh, the industry is, first off, the costs are a lot higher. I mean, we can honestly build a stick-built design bid build uh, building 
as cheap or maybe even cheaper and the prefabricated buildings yeah it's great they build it somewhere else they come and drop it in they're all telling us nine months plus at this point so it's not faster it's not even close to being faster so uh, we've executed a design contract for that set center area to add expand it to add the restrooms and then renovate the existing structure for ex extra storage and service areas for MYBA. So working on design of that and that will be coming but getting these two fence contracts going right now. So we'll, we'll see continuous improvements over the next 12 months probably out there in, in various stages. Thank you. Okay, so now my report. Uh, lots of things to talk about. We'll go through some slides here. Obviously, with Gertie Barrett and McLennan West scheduled somewhere in the end of February, we obviously were going to have some grow-in issues uh, with that time of year and some punch list items for these projects. We'll probably look towards dedications either end of March to mid-April, somewhere in there. We'll, we'll get it. And our goal is when we open those up, the splash pads are going to be open. Instead of waiting until Memorial Day weekend like we normally open our splash pads, they're going to be open when we open the park. So the public will be able to, to utilize two new splash pads immediately. We're still going to wait on Chandler until Memorial Day weekend, uh, let school out and deal with those issues and challenges as we normally do. Uh, but we'll be talking more about that. Scott and I had a conversation. We haven't had a park board tour in a couple of years. So we figured we want to offer that just so you can just at least start thinking about. If we wanted to do like a four hour Saturday tour, we went around and looked at, looked at parks and some of these projects that we're working on as well as Maybe some of these developments, like where Birdsong Park is going to go, uh, where M3 Ranch is at and the parks that they have and where the pond that they're you know, proposing to dedicate to us, where those are at, and where some other uh, neighborhood subdivisions and developments that are coming in that potentially will have parks and open space and where they fit in. So um, that's up to you on a date. If you want to try to do something maybe in February before these parks are done that you would actually get to see them kind of on the the tail end of construction before we open them we can do that completely up to you not asking you to decide that tonight just want to kind of plant that seed that uh, you know we, we, we certainly are prepared uh, to do that on a Saturday Saturday you know four-hour morning tour or something so uh, bylaw so you you will see on the council's agenda on Monday night the adoption of the revision of your bylaws and articles of incorporation you took action a couple of months ago based on the change on the six-year service uh, of, bo of board members. The language has been modified a little bit, and so now to read the word term limits are not in there. It reads uh, six years of consecutive service, something like that. Um, and then we had the budget change, if you remember, changing it from 60 days before the fiscal year to 30 days. So when we come forward this summer, you won't be adopting your budget until mid-August, your August meeting instead of July. So a little bit later in the summer, we'll have more sales tax numbers, know what impact, you know, when it comes to the overall general fund, uh, which rolls over to us when salaries and benefits, if there's any changes to insurance, just gives another month and obviously doesn't directly impact you, but there's always a trickle down effect when the tax appraisal numbers are, are set on July 25th, your budget's already, already adopted. So if something did happen and the general fund had to ratchet and change, make some changes and it affected MPSCC, you've already made, you know, you've already adopted your budget this time you'll be after that. So it'll be you know, all in that one discussion. And then a third thing that, that changed, uh, that is added, council is going to be, so the bylaws that are being proposed for their adoption on Monday night is gonna read that the council will, or that your board will elect your president that is selected by the council. So going forward, as council is reviewing applications and making board appointments, 
every summer, you know, August and September, they're actually going to select the president of your board. So when you, new officers take effect on October 1st, when you do it, your officer elections, council is basically gonna say, this is who your president's gonna be for the next year. So you'll take action based off of their selection. Does that make sense? So a little bit of a change. So it won't be up to you to, select, to nominate someone as president. Council will basically say, this is who we want to be president, vice president, other officers will be up to you as a board member to take nominations and make recommendations. So. Question? All right, uh, these others, I have some slides to kind of flip through. The athletic field applications, you remember the allocation policy that we created a couple of years ago, um, essentially has deadlines January 1st for the fall, just to give us time to review if there are multiple agencies or organizations that are requesting the same fields. We have a few months to review them, make a determination, and then inform the organization so they have enough time to set new rates, know what fields they're gonna have, which ones they might not have, and they can plan for that. So there's a, there's a gap in there of roughly seven months, but they need that time to know what, what they're gonna get. So for the fall of 2023, that deadline was at the end of December. Um, we had Mansfield Girls Softball submit for, for softball, Mansfield Youth Baseball for baseball. We had two soccer groups, well, I'll say groups, we had Mansfield Soccer Association, and we had an individual that has no association, he has one team. He didn't submit any information. So he's not an association. He's not going to get feel that he's not a nonprofit. He doesn't, he has one team. That's all it is. Um, and then football. So Kennedale Youth Association, they are the group that ran football for us this last year. So you remember Mansfield Pee Wee football. Um, all of their officers left at the end of the 2021 season. Yes, 2021. And as the 2022 season was coming around, they didn't pay the remaining balance that they owed for us. They didn't clean out any of their goods. They left rotting food and a bunch of other supplies and we paid a couple thousand dollars to clean up that building. We rekeyed re everything because they couldn't even tell us who had access to the building. They had a new set of officers who didn't have any information from the past officers. They couldn't tell us any of their numbers or anything. They were set to come forward and then they bailed and they didn't have a, a football season. So we didn't have the, any association. Cannondale Youth Association has a, a heavy percentage of Mansell residents already participating in their group. They stepped forward. Uh, I think they even, a couple of them came to, to your meeting and uh, they did every single thing that we expected of them, that we asked of them. We had no issues at all throughout the entire season. Flawless. They were perfect. They have resubmitted for next fall. Uh, they're actually rebranding, so away from Kennedale Youth Association, I don't know what their name is. It's gonna be more of the Mansfield, maybe Mansfield Kennedale Arlington. Um, their participation numbers, their number of Mansfield residents they have is exactly in line with every other sport that we have. You know, Mansfield Youth Baseball has 38% Mansfield residents and 62% non-residents. Every one of our groups is less than 50% Mansfield residents. They were right in line with that. So, um, and they, they've been around for decades. So. They were great, they, they submitted as well. We had a group called Mansfield Sports Academy Defenders submit. Um, so it doesn't look like they have all of the paperwork, but they may meet some of the criteria. Uh, so we're, we're having to evaluate all of their paperwork to see if they qualify and then make a, a, a recommendation to you on, on who should get fields. And then we had an individual who works for MISD 
that wants to kind of bring back Mansfield Pee Wee football. And I have my own thoughts on that. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he understands how bad things, the point that we, that we were at with them. And that's probably not a good thing to say, I want that group back. They want to bring some of those individuals back and they never even pay their balance. So I don't know if he clearly understands all that, but it's just a group of a group of a couple of coaches that used to be in the organization that want to bring it back. They don't have an organization. They don't. They're not a nonprofit. They, you know, and th so they don't want to necessarily do that. Is that the group or is it Mansfield MSA? That's the group that doesn't want to go for. It. So they don't want to create a website. They don't want to obtain nonprofit status. They don't want to do all that unless they know they're going to get fields. And we're like, all right, you you haven't legitimized yourself at all. You've never done anything. So we've got at least one organization that has proven they can do it so it's going to be an interesting discussion going forward we have a, a complete mixture of, of people that want to to fight for fo football now in addition to that both on the soccer and football side amanda has been dealing with dozens and dozens of individual parents and that may even be a life uh, groups teams uh, maybe even hundreds of, of individuals uh, that are wanting just one-off fields um, so uh, and then in addition to that mansfield soccer their competitive partner or piece has changed a couple of times. So there's a lot of things that are, that are in the works here that we're, we're trying to evaluate and we'll make a recommendation to you next month on the take, our take on it and, and give you the skinny and, and as we move forward. Again, softball and baseball, I'll, I'll say that they're easy, <laughs> even though softball's president at the end of the fall season. I will say this too, Canada Youth Association is the only one that's paid their bills in the fall. None of the others have paid their bills. And so they're not getting their fields in the spring and signing agreements until they pay their bills. Um, so Kennedale Youth Association, literally, he was on a plane and trying to figure out how he could pay his bill two months ago because he, the day after their season ended, he was calling Amanda from an airport uh, saying, hey, I want to pay my bill. I want to make sure we stay in, in good standing. So, um, so, but the good thing, so softball, they had a president. She was leaving the association. They had a new president. Amanda's been working with her for two months. Now we found out it's the other president is back in, in line. So, uh, yeah, so I'll say softball and baseball are easier because we're only dealing with one association, but we still have, you know, paperwork and invoices and things to get straightened out. So any questions about that? Okay. Matt, I have just a quick comment about the Mansfield Youth. They did come and give a great presentation. I really appreciate them coming that night and showing what they were. Um, the rebranding piece, I get that, um, needing to maybe change the name, but I hope it doesn't drive their success down or their, their you know, the, the notoriety or how they're recognized of being who they are just because of that change. So Yeah, yeah. I understand. Uh, we do also have a couple of football groups, even the defenders. They're doing some, some uh, flag football programs right now, just renting field space at Chandler Park on Sundays. So um, they're, they're all nice people and organizations. We're just trying to, you know, assess, you know, before we make decisions, can, can you really do this? You know, is this the best thing for Mansfield residents and families? Because most residents think that we're, we're involved and we make these decisions. We, we're involved in their organizations and we're not. Uh, so when they have a problem with a coach that, you know, grabs a kid or does something else, we're not involved in, in that. We don't set the standards. We don't do the background checks for that and, and a lot of residents don't have any understanding. They just think the city, just like the, there's a lot of confusion, they think the school district is tied to the city when it's not. You know, a lot of people don't understand those differences. So um, 
but we are trying to take that seriously and make sure that we're picking the best partner to, to, to allocate our fields to. So. Okay, Julian Field, James McNack Park West brought this up. We learned this week we submitted a grant to Texas Parks and Wildlife last summer, and we're notified this week that we are on the recommended list for the $750,000 grant for James McKnight Park West. Uh, this whole project, you see everything on the screen here, including the development within James McKnight Park on the Green Polygon, Julian Field, that second kind of loop trail phase of what could be a Veterans Memorial, and then that linear trail connection between the two and ties into Walnut Creek. All of that's about $2.7 million for the grant we focus on McKnight Park proper, so to really turn it into a neighborhood park, because there's really nothing there. There's a pavilion tucked back in the woods, a large parking lot, and just some open space. There's not, nothing else there. So the way the Parks and Wildlife grant process works, they have a certain amount of money. They score, the, the staff in Parks and Wildlife will store, score them all on a point basis, and then they'll rank them. And then so for our program, there was $20 million worth of requests from 32 cities or agencies. Uh, and they just start going down in order. So, all right, you asked for this much, you got it, you got it, you got it, until the money's out and they have $7 million available. $20 million worth of requests, $7 million available. They draw the cut line. We were tied for eighth out of the 32 in points, and the top 10 is where the money runs out. So they make a recommendation to the Parks and Wildlife Commission. They meet on the 26th, and it is rare that the commission doesn't go with staff's recommendation. So uh, everything should go smoothly on the 26th, and if it does, we'll know after that, we'll get the grant. So normally the way that works, they've moved this process up. This used to happen in March, now it's in January. So I would expect by the summertime, we would have paperwork executed, and then we're on the clock, and we have three years to implement the project. So they give you flexibility. You can ask for extensions too, they don't like to do that, but three years to design and construct it. So that's the way that would work. And so. It, Essentially, we, and it's a matching 50% match. I think we had, a t our budget was 1.6 million, so we had a little bit of an overmatch, which helps too when you contribute a little bit more. They, they know you're serious, so you have some money to contribute to this. Uh, but we would, in, in McKnight Park West, we would add a playground, pavilion. Again, we're in floodway, in floodplain here, so there's some challenges to work there, but heavily wooded area, probably add a new pavilion, uh, get rid of that, that old one there. Try to add some restrooms because we think this has the, the potential to be a disc golf site. And so when you start adding that too, in addition to the neighborhood park component, you probably need some restrooms. It would be a good, good location too for people to get off the linear trail and, and, and use the restroom uh, in this site too and some exercise equipment. So that green polygon is kind of what the grant would focus on. Uh, then the linear trail connection and anything in Julian Field would, would happen through other priorities and other funding sources as we go forward, but this is a big chunk. $750,000 is, is, is a good grant. Um, so, and good that, news. Any questions about that? How do, we, how do we differentiate ourselves between the other 32 cities? How, how do we have the advantage? Is it, you said it was staffing related. Um, obviously, the amount of money you have to put up to, to help fund it. Um, how do we how do we come to the the top of the list basically there are the, the process has changed quite a bit in my in, in my career uh, it used to be point based and so the more amenities you got points so that's why Rose Park has horseshoe pits you got a point for that and it, that counted the same as a playground so everybody added horseshoes in there you know for no money because you got a point uh, they stopped doing that and uh, it 
it weighs a lot heavily. Water is, is a big component. We don't have water here, even though we have a creek. We don't have a body of water. So to, it's really difficult to get something, to get a grant without it. When we, sub, we applied for Gertie Barrett a couple of years ago, uh, we, they, it, was, it was bad timing because the, they had taken away all of the money in the parks. They had shifted it to other resources. They didn't legally have the right to do that. Uh, and so what happened was then there was the actual charter, state. there was a state election, if you remember in November a couple of years ago, that said you have to spend it on this. There's still loopholes that they can get around that. But voters, I think 85% of voters said, yes, we want a sporting good tax to have to go towards state parks and state park grant programs. So, but we had a three-year period where we didn't have any funding. So when we applied for Gertie Bears, when they reinstituted it, there were 85 applicants. And I mean, you had to have the perfect project to get points that, that high. Now it's, everybody's starting to get their piece. And so it's, it's fleshed out. So now it's more, more typical with 32. Um, but water is a big component. If you have it, there's so many categories that you get points. Um, we submitted this in August. I was in Vegas, so James and, and Ann were pulling the weight, um, submitting all the writing, but a lot of it is, is, is crafting the language too. So that's where Ann, you know, she was writing up and telling the story. I do believe um, tying into our linear trail system was probably a big, you know, connecting parks is, is a big uh, scoring component. I think connecting into Julian Field, which is our first park named after a co-founder of the city, and we did make mention that most likely we'll have a Veterans Memorial in the future. I think all of those helped us um, get, get a few extra points or consideration. Well, they're not necessarily points as they're scoring on you know, community impact. Instead of eight points, we got nine points. You know, those little things. Because literally, uh, some cities are two points below us and they're five spots behind us. So it's, it's really, really close for us to, to, to get to that point. Um, so I think, I, I think a little bit is, 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 you know, those other components that we added to it, because most projects have a park, they have this. It also is your service area, so you look at how many residents are being served uh, by implementing this park is, you know, because if we, if Julian Field was a fully developed neighborhood park and had all these components, they wouldn't give us this grant. They'd give it to somebody else. They're like, well, you're duplicating services. These residents already have access to the park. In this case, they don't. What we have is open space that doesn't have anything in it. And these, these are residents that have been here for 50, 60 years, potentially. These homes are built in the 60s and 70s, and you don't even have a developed park in their, in their service area. So uh, it has to tie back to your master plan. And so we were very strategic to, on, on submitting this project, because, which is why we submitted Gertie Barrett. Uh, if it's not one of the highest priorities identified in your master plan, you're not going to get the grant. It has to follow. You just can't come up with this brilliant idea and say, we want to, so for example, Miracle Field. Great project, if we submitted it, we wouldn't get the grant. Even though it tugs at your heart, it's not even in our master plan. We would not, they would throw it out immediately. So they want to make sure you're going through a community effort to ask, solicit input and feedback on what the residents want, and then this request is matching it with what, what you identified in your plan. So that was a big part of it. This is a high priority in, in our plan, so. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, joint meeting Monday night, five o'clock. It'll be in the multi-purpose room, Luna Grill. So this will be similar. They'll kind of be eating council. You know, they're they're starting at two o'clock, and so their dinner will come in around five. So we'll just eat together as the consultant is going through 
presentation. This is the kickoff of our financial sustainability project. Some of the deliverables, again, this is, you know, AKA cost recovery. So they're gonna be going through and trying to get input from you as a board and council both. So don't think that this is council trying to give you direction on this. This is, you're equal with council. We, we need the consultant to try to make sure that you're saying the same thing as council, because if not, we need to factor that into this. If you as a board think we need to charge for all of our record as much as we can for all of our recreation programs and council is saying we want to give everything away for free, then that tells the consultant, all right, we got some work to do because we got to figure out what, what your policy should be. If you're all saying the same thing, then that helps. And then it's just a matter of identifying what are your service categories? What do we want to subsidize as a community? What do we want to charge more for? Uh, for example, senior programs, we don't charge. I wouldn't anticipate that we're going to get into that game, so those are going to be largely subsidized. Most of our special events are heavily subsidized. When you get, so if you go to a, a, a program at the MAC, you're going to pay for that, but if you want to drink at the counter afterwards, the taxpayers aren't going to subsidize your Coke and your resale items. So, you know, there's going to be a continuum, and you'll see this in the presentation. The end result in this is going to be some policy some fee scenarios and, and really us identifying the true total cost of every program and service that we offer, direct and indirect. Because one thing that we do not do is calculate and factor in the utility cost and front counter staffing with everything that we, we offer. And it's not just at the MAC. We're also doing library programs, we're doing park services. Uh, so when we're doing a pavilion rental and we're charging $50, are we capturing the true cost of what it, what it takes to service that pavilion before and after that rental is uh, a, a part of that. So, and it may or may not mean we change our fees, um, but it will give us some great data. So this is just to kind of kick off, consultant's gonna walk through this, talk about cost recovery, give some examples, and then hopefully get some input uh, based on a few questions from you. Could you put the slide in the email to us? Sure. Uh, is that it? So this, is, this is just us and the council, right? Yes. Not, mm -hmm. okay. Board, this is a off-cycle, not normally scheduled meeting that we are doing. So just curious, we need to have a quorum to have a meeting. We do. Do we have any scheduling conflicts that's going to keep? Okay. Do we have five? Uh, possibly with the other that will be coming up on March 7th. Okay. Just want to make sure before we get yeah, so Monday it's a, and have surprises. It's, a little, it's kind of a strange one because it's not, it's in the middle of council's meeting. So they're going to already be in session at two. They have several work session items. They should be done with those. They'll probably recess into executive, start their executive session agenda, and then at five o'clock break, come out. You will need to call this meeting to your meeting to order at five, and then consultant will take over, and then you'll need to adjourn it at the end. There's no action okay. to take, but yeah. I, just being a Monday, not a Thursday, we'll make sure we had enough to quorum. Yeah. Do they know how long it might take? We'll be done in an hour. Um, okay. I think the, originally we were going to be a little bit longer, but council. As usual, I mean, there's a, they have a big agenda, so we told them, I said, look, get this done by six, because they most likely are not going to be done with their executive session items. They're going to need to go back in there to try to finish that up so that they can start their regular session at seven. So, okay. Uh, workshop, we have a, a city council. This will be the third annual city council workshop. It's scheduled for February 22nd to 25th. The citizen satisfaction survey that's out there right now, council will get the results of that. We will be talking about strategic initiatives, the capital program, 
uh, including an update on our master plan. So we're still kind of brainstorming some of those things, but I was in a meeting yesterday with the management team. So I think I'll be giving, here's a status update on the projects that were in the 2020 plan, the ones that have been completed, the ones that are in progress, the ones that are, have been identified by you and the council as priorities over the next few years. And then we, we have a shark tank exercise. So we've been challenged uh, with making some, some pitches to the council for the uh, some available ARPA money, so the you know the coronavirus uh, funding that's that the city still has available. So there's uh, five or so department heads that'll be making some some pitches. So I can't go into any details now, but we'll we'll share them with you going forward. They're probably related to McClendon Park. I'll just say that. Uh, May 2023 bond election, you, if you're watching the last council me meeting, we, we talked a little bit about this and we'll be updating the council on Monday's agenda. So just want to let you know what was discussed. Uh, the election day for this year, May 6th, so we've got three council seats that will be up to fill. And that if we want to have other ballots other on, on the, uh, for other propositions, the election has to be called by May, uh, February the 17th. And so one of the things that council was, was presented last time was that the possibility of converting, and I think Joe even talked to you when he came down in your November meeting, I think he even talked about this uh, briefly before the meeting started last time, that giving the EDC, the type A corporation, type B powers uh, so that they could also invest in public facilities, including parks and rec projects. Um, but they would still focus on economic development and fund all that, but as you know, our sales tax continues to grow and it would just give the city flexibility to do to uh, do other projects if they if they presented themselves. So, council was weighing that decision, some discussions, and getting some rulings from the attorney general. And now with Vanessa being on board as an attorney, so she's been able to kind of help with some draft some of that language. But we still haven't heard back. So that's that was discussed last meeting. It will be Monday night as well. Uh, and then two potential park projects. So bringing back the Miracle Field and the Veterans Park and Memorial. And so the slides. Um, that we showed last time, and this is what we showed on Monday. Um, based on the discussion, costs have gone up a little bit, obviously, in the last couple of years. So the new estimate for Miracle Field at McLennan Park East is $5.3 million. Uh, council didn't want to change the scope at all of that, so that's what I will share with them. Here's the new cost. It went from $5 million to 5.3, so they'll be able to make. I don't. They won't be making a final decision Monday, but hopefully they'll give staff direction on whether to to prepare the paperwork in order to call the election prior to February the 17th. And then the other Veterans Park and Memorial, again, at Julian Field Park. Um, the full master plan, again, slightly went up 7.2 million from before. Uh, they gave staff direction that they wanted a, a, a phased scale back. They didn't want to go back with a $7 million proposition. Um, definitely wanted the water feature to be included, and that's a that's an expensive component. So we got that direction, so what we, uh, the, the phased approach would be to take that back portion, the loop trail, as well as the memorial pavilion and second plaza and, and, and save that for a later phase. So everything up front, the main plaza, the pond, the water feature, redoing the Serenity Gardens and bringing those up to today's standards, adding restrooms, uh, park monument sign, and um, the, the trail portion that's up front, including a couple bridges puts us at about 4.2 million. So it's, it, there's just a lot of work to be done there. So that will be uh, what is pitched to council. We'll get some direction from them on Monday if, if they if they want to proceed with that. So. And correct me if I'm wrong, part of the discussion there, I'm gonna put Troy on the spot again, just like he was the other day. It was The goal was no tax increase yes. for either of these two 
that, that, that is the goal. I think we're still trying to determine what, what that would look like. Right. But yes, I think my take was that that's the only way council are going to proceed putting forward if, if that is the case. And so that I think will be part of the continued discussion with them. But yeah, they, I think they would prefer this if we move forward that it be done under that, under that assumption that no tax, tax rate increase. And there's a lot, obviously a lot at play with that to, to say, yes, that's true. <laughs> the man in the back is the, the big man on that. So, <laughs> uh, okay, department restructuring, we've gone through, this was kind of our structure this time last year uh, in Amanda's group had Andy as a recreation superintendent and Toby as park superintendent that reported to her. And then James as senior park planner and Ann report directly to me as well as Sarah. So we kind of focused heavily on our park operations this last year. You're not expected to see all this, but we did add the orange boxes. So our new project manager, Brian, that joined us tonight, a new crew leader and a landscape tech. And so we wanted to factor all that into it. As we started the operations division in lots of, lots of time, this was a six or seven month process with, with us uh, going through this and started with True North, making sure whatever we're doing is supporting the True North principles. Our new department vision and mission, the department and master plan goals, the focus areas and strategies, making sure whatever we're doing is trying to support all of these things. If we're not, then we're off, we're off track. Uh, we have performance measures. Are we, we implementing any changes that are making sure we're delivering on those performance measures and improving on that and then supporting any core services that we identified. And so specific focus for this restructuring and operations was more focused on our historic downtown, our public private partners. They are our facilities. They're largely maintained by the public private partners. But in some cases, especially that first impression, is just not great. It's just not great. And so we're going to help them be better and hopefully help us by helping them. Uh, even yesterday, I was presenting at Leadership Mansfield at BLD, and as I was leaving, our staff were out trimming the trees out front. So I saw that. <laughs> so uh, traditionally, that would have been, would have been their staff doing that. Uh, forestry and beautification, athletic fields, splash pads. We're going from one to three splash pads overnight. So we're, we are prepared for that. We, that was heavily considered during this restructuring is how we're gonna be able to address that. Uh, the park patrol that Garrett has historically been the, the only one, this is the single guy, how can we kind of spread that around and enhance that and work with the, the, the police department and on down the list. Um, and then also making sure we're considering again, Gertie Barrett, McLennan West that are under, under construction. Rose Park, what we shared tonight, that, that's gonna have an impact going forward. Britton Park, we're still, still trying to work through that and see if we can get something to happen between the cities on that. Uh, Watson Branson Birdsong, you'll see a couple slides on that. Those are coming very, very soon. Future Trails, that $10.5 million bond proposition that voters approved, making sure that that is factored into this. We wanna increase our bench strength and our succession planning. And then we don't have any part-time staff in the operations division. But especially because of the dog park and the splash pads with the evening and weekend, um, we think we probably need to start incorporating some part-time staff, even though it's like pulling teeth to find people to apply these days, uh, just because of those peak periods, so that we're not bringing on full-time bodies for a six-month period of time uh, that, that we really need to ramp up. And so looking at doing that in the future, incorporating some part-time positions. So we were here, Toby was at the top, he had three supervisors and Garrett that reported to him, as well as Andy's uh, superintendent position. So essentially what we've done is converted Andy's position into a second manager position, and this is our new structure, Let's clear that off. Uh, Brian Coatney, we've gone through a, a exhaustive process of step-by-step, level-by-level. We started with uh, repurposing Andy's position, 
posted that internally, had four applications for that. Brian Coatney was, was promoted into Park Operations Manager. So now he and Toby have split the operations division in, in half and each, each have a, a certain focus. So on that left-hand side, um, we have a beautification and ball fields section. On the right side, Toby's group has all the parks and trails. A little bit of overlap, but we tried to clean this up a little bit. Uh, the colors are kind of by the different organizations, and we have funds. You know, about half of our staff are in general fund, the other half in MPFDC. So after Brian was promoted to the manager position, we opened up two supervisor positions through this process. We had seven internal candidates for that, and we only opened it up internally. Promoted Matt Dowd and Anthony Ford. Uh, these red boxes are all the promotions in here. Uh, and then that, is, that opened up four crew leader positions. We had one new one come on the general fund budget this year. We had a retirement uh, towards the end, well, sometime in the summer last year, and then two of the promotions. We had seven internal, and then we had some external candidates for the crew leaders. And we just made these announcements last week. So Chris Unger, Jason, uh, Jacob Gibson, Edward Florenciano, and Colby Tice were all promoted. So what that means is that we have the seven blue boxes that are highlighted in the bottom, the border blue boxes. We have seven vacancies now through all this shifting. But we've, we've given a lot of opportunities to staff. Again, through this process, we've had lots of meetings with them, making sure that everybody understood this is what we're going to be about. This is our focus. If you want to be a part of this, apply and let's move up. If you don't want to be a part of this, then you probably need to find someplace else to work because this is where we're heading. We're going to support all these focuses, all these initiatives, and I think there's a lot of excitement in our, in our, in our department through all this. Again, we've given seven, sorry, I'm choking here, seven individuals now have been promoted and given some, some opportunities, and uh, so it's, it's going well. So now we just need to fill a bunch of vacancies in the next couple months before we get really busy. Can you email that to us as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's, you can probably see it eight and a half by 11. All right. It's a big, it's a big, big spreadsheet. Sure. Uh, and then through all of that, this is just kind of a, 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 the people you normally would encounter, uh, managers and supervisors. So uh, somehow I have to have my big ugly mugshot at the top. Um, so Amanda essentially has now Toby and Brian, as we talked about, and then the four supervisors that report to Brian and Toby. Uh, Coco over the Mac and Tiffany over our nature education report directly to Amanda now. Sarah and Ann still report directly to me as well as James. We don't have Brian Linus's mugshot on here. We'll get that soon. But now with Garrett, uh, two project managers reporting to James. So with all of the projects that we've been talking about, we're really, really excited about that as well because we're going to start to be able a couple of our projects have been delayed the last few months because James has been by himself. Uh, so now we're really going to hit the ground running. Fight. Garrett's only been in there three days this week, and he's, he's touched everything. I mean, he's been everywhere out in the community, so, uh, and James was, was out, you know, the office for a couple hours yesterday, so they've been, they've been going nonstop for three days. Uh, also, if you notice in that kind of teal area, uh, we had a retirement of our, Suzanne Newman, our senior services uh, coordinator, Caprice Galloway, has been promoted uh, into that position, so you see her, her picture on here as well, so. A lot has happened over the last six months, and again, a lot of excitement across the board. We probably have some additional changes going forward. The next phase kind of focused on recreation, um, and so again, we repurpose Andy's position, and so we're still trying to assess how we need to move those pieces around. We have we have one uh, part-time position that has, has been vacated through some promotions in the service, senior services group, senior lifestyle group, so we, we can repurpose that, and then uh, we'll go forward from there. So.
and I can we can send you this one as well. We'll get Brian's shot, Brian's picture to added to this as well. So, any questions about the restructuring? All right, Walnut Creek Drive Bridge. So we've talked about this. We haven't shown anything visually to you, but this is where TechStock's going to come in, and they are going to replace the vehicular bridge on Walnut Creek Drive in between Rose Park and Hardy Almond. And so what that's going to mean is they're going to close down half the bridge, rebuild it, and then close the other half and rebuild it. So this entire stretch from here to here is going to be a construction zone with about 80, 80 orange barrels and traffic in, in concrete Jersey barriers directing you from one lane to the next for about a nine-month process, which probably always means it's going to be longer. You know, you're dealing with traffic and then with weather and, and other things that come up. So what that means is the trail has to be closed. There's no way to keep, people can't go underneath that. It's just, it's just unavoidable. Um, so we have stopped, on, uh, as of Easter weekend, we don't have any rentals. We're not taking any rentals in the pavilions just because we, we're not really sure what that impact will be. We think the park will be fine, but until we have a little firmer grasp on what the, what the air, how much of the park's gonna be impacted, we're just not adding to that. We don't wanna have someone have a wedding reception or a family reunion or something booked and then have to you know disappoint them at the last minute so we'll open those back up after we get a little bit more comfortable but we don't have anything on the book after that the races and and and, and runs we're working with the individual uh, coordinators and, and groups on alternate routes trying to get as many as possible that can start at McKnight Park East and come this way and 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 work around that but because there's no way to go through the trail uh, so the reroute the pedestrian reroute for the trail so what TxDOT what their plan was, and they submitted to us, was they wanted trail users. You know, so if you're coming from Town Park, they wanted you to come down the trail, walk the loop in, in rows, come up to the playground, come into the parking lot, walk through the road, cross, the, cross Walnut Creek Drive, and then walk through the parking lot to get back on the trail. So really, so you want people to walk in the road. We have cars entering and exiting the park. We can't have people walk in the road that's just not safe and then in a parking lot so they didn't seem to even you know they were like well i wish we'd have known that i said well if you'd have sent this to us too we said so we've been working on this for two years well if you'd have, on day one you could have told us that was your plan we would have, so if you only saw james's markup of all of this including all the cones and the signage and everything else so the alternative route what's going to happen is they're going to come in here and add a temporary connection here without taking any trees coming across and then we're going to close the this half of the parking lot and route traffic through the parking lot separated with a barrier so that there's a separation between pedestrians and cars so you're still going to have one bank of cars at Hardy Almond that can back out safely but pedestrian traffic will flow through that bank of what what currently is is available parking to get back onto the trail they have a they don't have a stop sign proposed here. They have a crosswalk with signage. Uh, we are concerned about people coming. For example, if you were, um, you know, if, if this side of the, of the bridge is closed and so you're gonna have two-way traffic on the bridge. So if you're coming from the north down the road and then have to come back over, they've got all kinds of barriers and things planned here. And so are people that are waiting to cross, are they gonna see that? And so. We, we requested, they don't want to do it, but we told them the first hint of 
safety concerns that happen that we don't think people are being watched and considered, we're going to demand a, a temporary light to come in. And they agreed to that, that if it becomes an issue, that they will do that. Because uh, we're going to have the same thing. They're, this entire stretch on this side is all orange barrels. So cars are going to be driving with orange barrels on the side of them, and then all of a sudden there's people waiting to cross. Are people going to be able to see over the you – know, orange barrels aren't too tall, but are they going to see the vehicles coming? So we just, uh, out of an abundance of caution, that concerns us. Um, but they did commit to, to adding a, a flashing light if needed, uh, if safety becomes an issue. They were supposed to bid this January. We're not sure if they've actually let that yet, but if they do let the project this month, get the bidding done, construction is, would start the week after Easter. And again, about nine months would take us through the end of December. So obviously if they don't get, they, if they don't let it this month, it's just gonna take longer. So for a nine month period, I, you, know, I, you know, I guess it's as best as possible. The winter months out of service would be the, the absolute best. And so right now being done by the end of December would be great as long as it doesn't get too far into it um, beyond that. The, um, I think the pickle rate uh, race is right before this, so it shouldn't be an issue, and hopefully it'll be done before the next year if that race runs in there. So, and we, I mean, we do 20-plus races a year through here, so it's, it's a big impact for sure. Run with Hart's one of them, so they'll, they'll be working on a different route. So any questions about that? We'll keep you updated, obviously, as we learn more and we get through it. But once they actually start, everybody in the world is going to know it's just going to be a construction zone everywhere out there. Raleigh, you got any comments? Oh, that's, I know y'all know, but that's, pedestrians crossing that under construction, I mean, you almost have to have a light from the beginning. People, yeah. I mean, pedestrians don't, I mean, they always think they have the right of way, and motors don't look. <laughs> they don't see them. Yeah. And that's just going to be, I'm really scared about that whole situation right there. Yeah, it, I, I don't think, you know. Close it. Why, how, why do we even allow access to cross, it, I mean, it should just, I almost think we just close it unless we can uh, confirm or, you know, have a light there. Yeah, well, <laughs> if, if we didn't have a, you know, a, a crossing, I mean, I, I think what my gut says is that people are still gonna do this anyway. Right. They, people are still gonna walk the trail and just find their way to, to cross. Um, and, and as long as we can, and I, I just don't think TxDOT understands the, the volume of people, and I also don't think they understand the, the amount of work they're, they're going to run into. We've tried to, with their, the signage that they're doing where the trail does end, that they don't understand when, you know, and this will be the year that we probably get nine floods, uh, and mm -hmm. it's going to drastically right. impact their, their construction. They just don't understand. Those, their signs that they're planning to put out there are probably going to end up down in the creek. They better anchor them because when that comes out of the banks, it's right next to it. So we've done everything we can to try to try to educate them as to, to what the site brings. Um, and we told them, I said, we, we're going to be out there day one. You know, it's not going to take much. And and our engineering department is on board, too. So they they agree as well. And uh, so if it they they will be the liaison. Our streets division will be the liaison with Texton on this. And so. Um, they they understood our concerns and are willing to to tell TxDOT we're stopping construction until you fix this. So, has has TxDOT said if the bridge is going to be any wider? Is it going to have um, walkways on both sides of the bridge on the east and west side or just oh, the 
Are there on both sides, James? Do you remember? Walkways on both sides with this? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's essentially replacing what is there. But I think right now there's only a there's only a sidewalk on the west side of the road. Yeah, just on the west side. Yeah. So I don't think the east side. I don't think they have a walk just because there's no sidewalk. Um, I don't think it, the bridge is planned to be any wider than what it currently exists. All right, uh, Watson Branch. So this is located right on 157, just north of Mauser. Uh, you've probably seen the Aria Active Adult Center and some um, apartments that have been built there. Uh, it's been a while, but we agreed to accept 11 acres of park land dedication, largely along the tributary of the Watson Branch. So land-wise, far exceeds what they would need to, to develop and, and dedicate but it includes about two thirds of a mile. We need to actually measure what's out there. It may be a little bit longer than that. 12 foot wide, meets every standard of our linear trail uh, design package. Uh, through the process, we also asked the developer to add, and you'll see an image here in a minute, a, a little pocket park. So um, this is Realty Capital developing, the developer of the lofts, um, one of the best developers I've ever worked with. They're in, the top, they're in the top two. If they're not number one, they're number two. They get it, they understand. This is also the one that purchased uh, phase two of the Shops at Broad, and so they wanted to do single family homes on the 12 acres, and when we told them, well, we actually would like to put this multi-generational center, he's like, great, I, I, that'll help me. I'll change my mixed use development. We'll change it and flip it around and make it face this and have retail facing this establishment, and it'll help me sell homes. So he gets it, he, he truly gets it. Um, and so he's been a, a great partner on this. And so uh, they are nearing completion. So just to kind of focus you in, so again, you got uh, Main Street 157 there on the left-hand side and, and Mauser is just to the south of this. So there are three different components for residential. The orange is the active adult, the ARIA is done, the 340 units of multifamily is done, and then they have, uh, they will be, they're working on that, 8,500 square feet of retail up front. So a couple of restaurants and other retail there. The 250 single-family lots, that all of the infrastructure is in place, the streets, utilities, everything. So they're about ready to build the homes on this. That green belt, so that's the 10-plus acres, right at 11 acres. So the yellow dot, dashed line changed a little bit through our discussions. We asked them to actually, uh, instead of daylighting it here, they've extended the trail down to here. And in the future, we'll, we will come across the trib and it will tie in with the trail system that runs down the TRWD or TRA line, TRWD line in that, in that case. So they have built this entire linear trail and then as you see this single loaded street here in the middle, this is where we asked them to build a pocket park. Um, since you didn't have homes there, they couldn't build homes there, could, could you build a park? So what they've done, just to show you a couple pictures, this is linear trail, again, 12 foot wide, they've even added this arch, you can kind of see the residential, the uh, active adult center that's been built in the background. Um, they've added the entryway off of the street there with, with, the, with the words Watson. They have all their benches, all their trash cans, all their dogway stations are already installed, ready to go. Obviously it's winter time, so there's a little bit of grow in, so the pictures will be much nicer when you have some, some foliage on the trees and the turf established around, around the trail. Uh, and then on the little pocket park, Oh, a couple more pictures. So you can see it, it winds through the trees. So just the same look and feel as, as Walnut Creek. And they even have on the, on the right-hand side these little, a couple little nodes where you can get off the trail and the bench isn't sitting right on the trail. So 
Uh, very nice. Again, it's all in the floodway, floodplain, so it's, it sits just like everything else, but they've done a very, very nice job. There's still some things they have to work out, including the, in the backdrop there, there's a little bit of some drainage issues that they have to work on. Uh, then that little pocket park node, so on the left-hand side, this is a look from the street. Uh, so they basically built this little node where it comes off of the loop trail, and you have a little mini, mini park in there. And they've got a 2 to 5, a 5 to 12 playground, and a pavilion. They've got port-in-place surfacing. So unlike most of the developers that want to do the cheap and easy on this, they get it. So this is our standard. This is what we, we would do in our park. And they said, great. So I think their fees would have been land. They far exceeded the land that they would have needed to dedicate. And uh, investment-wise, they're probably you know o over a million dollars, and they had maybe a half a million dollars worth of of money that they would have had to pay. So far above their their required amount. And then the playground, you see the two to five on the right, uh, with the little custom design play structures, and then a five to twelve with some shade structures there on the on the right-hand side. Sorry, left left for the two to five. So very very nice. They're expected. I mean, they're almost done, other than some punch list things. So. Probably by March, we'll, we'll be taking this over. Uh, people, are, people have been walking on the trail for a very long time. The playground equipment has really just come in in the last few weeks uh, in the port in place in a, in, a, in a couple of stages. But the trail, I've seen people walking out there since Thanksgiving, uh, uh, residents. So be a nice extension, and we'll work to tie that in with the rest of our system going forward. And then birdsong. So down south, uh, right off of, you can see where Main Street, this is, this is Lone Star, so this is uh, Maine. Um, this is Lone Star, and it wraps all the way down through the country. Um, Birdsong Development, if you remember, we have a developer's agreement with them uh, to dedicate five acres. This is like Harold Bell, so they are building the park and dedicating it to us, similar to Watson Branch. So within the park, it will have a loop trail going around it. Also has the trails we talked about M3 Ranch earlier, trails that will connect through the Birdsong development into M3 Ranch. In addition to that, they've got a pavilion, two to five and five to 12 playground requirements. And again, they understand our standards. They're keeping us in the loop throughout this process. Uh, probably, and so they, they are, the playgrounds right now are six months plus on, on ordering. They've got about 60 days to complete the lots in phase two. And I'll show you that in here in a second. And so they want to go ahead and order the playground. So they sent us some images we'll share with you here in a second. So it could be this winter, but probably, you know, it could be this fall, but you know, things happen. So probably by early next year, uh, a little bit faster than we thought was going to happen. We, we thought they, their, their lots had slowed down, but they picked them back up. So just to kind of clue in here, here are the four phases of birdsong. Phase one and, and two are under construction right now. People are living in phase one. Phase two is that, that park that we just talked about is right in the middle. This is the five-acre park right here. They've got their own amenity center that is going to be built right next to it. So they're going to have a little pool and you know indoor space uh, that is only open to their residents. But the park will be open to the public and dedicated to us. Um, I shaded that blue area on the top. Earlier when we were talking about M3 Ranch of the Pond, that's the area that is being dedicated for that project. So you can see these two projects kind of tie into each other. So we'll have green space directly on the, on the north of Birdsong that connects in to, uh, to M3 Ranch. And then uh, this is kind of the, their conceptual plan when we executed their developer's agreement. Again, open space, loop trail, two different playground units there in the blue area and the pavilion in the middle. Uh, their concept may change a little bit, but but that those are the components. And then the amenity center there on the right-hand side is what they were proposing. So this is the concept they sent us for the playground. 
again, very reminiscent of Harold Bell, a large five to 12 structure and a two to five play structure, uh, playground uh, swings, and uh, they even have a rocker component in there. So their I think their total investment here is over a million dollars as well for a neighborhood park when their fees were 400, 450, something like that. So they more than doubled. Uh, so again, very much like Harold Bell where the developer got it, understood that this is an amenity for the residents, gonna help quality of life. People are gonna wanna live here and buy the homes and this is, uh, excuse me, a selling point for them. So this one's gonna happen very soon. And then the last item on the agenda, so I'll just stop there. Any other questions about any of my other report? A lot of information sharing tonight. I hope it's not too overwhelming, but it's, it's, all, it's all good stuff. Any questions, comments? On that. that was a lot. Thank you, Amanda, for the water. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, the last thing, new business, we really didn't have anything on the budget other than we traditionally get our, our kind of our instructions from the budget office in, in February. That's kind of the kickoff, and then we work through a process of our performance measures and things. One thing that we have not done in the past is on the front end of the budget process, visit with you as a board saying, are there priorities that you want us to plug into? Are there things, you know, when we talk about projects, do we need to move something up, slow something down? Uh, are there specific services that we're not delivering? So we plan on doing that and kind of keeping this on the agenda to give you the opportunity on the front end so that it's not come May where we just say, hey, this is FYI, this is what we submitted to the budget office, and then start the discussion. We want to do that ahead of time so that you're given that opportunity. So um, you'll see this on the agenda going forward as an old business item. We'll just carry this through so that if you have items each month, just come prepared. And just When we get to that topic, just let her, let her roll. So, okay. All right, that's all it for me. Okay, thanks, ma'am. Uh, item number 10 is next up for board comments. Jessica, do you have anything? Nothing? Ms. Gunther? Yes, uh, congratulations on getting the grant. That's a great job. And congratulations to everyone who got promoted in the new department structure. Yeah, I just want to uh, praise, congratulate whatever staff on all of what we just saw. Uh, I think the community thinks the grass is there. We just build, you know, throw a couple swing sets on there and it's done. But there is so much more behind the scenes, even more than I think this board could acknowledge and, until we see a presentation like that. So everybody who had their hand in any of this, thank you so much for, for doing all that you did. Well, I appreciate that, Bob. And, I, you know, I'm going to give some kudos to James. He, you know, it's been hard not having any staff and try to keep the project going the way, you know, you've got three different contractors on two different projects and then the consultants on a couple of these design projects um, and among all the other things. So he's done a great job trying to keep them all in line and keep them going because, you know, it goes sometimes if you're not out there every single day hounding them. And we've, had, we've got a couple issues we're working through right now where they didn't do things the way they were supposed to, so we're trying to get those rectified. So um, we've, I think we've weathered the storm. We got some support here with him on, both, on, on, his, on his right, so thank you, though, for that. Great job. Far left, James, do you have any comments? No? Chris? I just want to say congratulations to everybody on promotions and everything's going so well. I've lived here in Mansfield for over 25 years, and... I can't recall a time period when things moved along so quickly and so efficiently. So congratulations to everybody who's involved in that. I think it's really 
really cooking with gas now compared to what it's done, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So I'm excited. This feels like things are going real fast, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, congrats to, to all those promoted, Brian, Brian, Garrett, Brian. There's a silent Brian at the end. Uh, welcome to the crew. Vanessa, thanks for being here. Uh, great things happening. You know, we, we were talking earlier today, it, those of you that were part of the master plan, especially the committees, that the, the goal in the master plan was to develop 10 neighborhood parks in the 10 years. So it's one a year. We're essentially going to be ahead of pace at this point when, when we get this. So Gertie Barrett's going to be part 22. I saw Ann just knock on wood. Now, I haven't talked to her about this, but I know she's going to eat this up. So Gertie Barrett's going to be part 22. Um, Watson Branch in a couple of months will be part 23. So we're opening park number 23 in 2023. And then most likely Birdsong's going to open as Park 24 in 2024. So I can already tell you she's going to market that somehow. She's going <laughs> to take that. Uh, but we're not going to wait to 2025 to try to get Park number 25. We'll keep working. <laughs> All right. Any other informational items? We, we kind of talked about, uh, Matt and I met before, we have a, all these parks coming. And uh, we talked about maybe creating some standing subcommittees of the park board. Uh, taking some you know recommendations nominations where you might like to serve in, in different places one would be naming parks we have a an ad hoc group that will meet from time to time uh, with all these coming it might be be helpful to get some people on there and some continuity just to uh, serve in that capacity as we need to and we also talked about acquisitions maybe as, as another one of the no action to take today just uh, as an idea of maybe being a part of a, a smaller group of our team uh, to tackle those as they come up, and maybe next time we can talk a little bit more about that. So, any other information items from staff? No. Wonderful. Well, we will adjourn at uh, seven fifty-two. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>